Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Nick here again, and we've got another Zoom podcast, this time with a special guest in Adam Hutton. I'm going to let him introduce himself uh, when we get into the podcast, but today's episode is all about breathing techniques, improving your breathing, bit of nasal breathing. We had a few questions come up on the Mets Mastermind around it, so we thought it would be a perfect time to cover it uh, and, and go from there. He is a bit more of an expert in terms of breathing, and he's investigated it quite a bit with his sort of background, and I'll let him talk about that once we get into the podcast. So if you want to have your answer, uh, your questions answered or you want to jump inside the Mets Mastermind and ask some questions of us, get involved with the podcast, etc., um, click the link in the uh, description of the podcast below. As usual, you'll be able to sign up to Mets Mastermind completely free. Join the Facebook group, and you can ask, ask your questions to be answered on the podcast there. I'm also going to leave links to uh, Adam's details down below, so you can go check him out as well. But without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Good to have you on the uh, the podcast, mate. Welcome back to the whole Mets Mets community. Um, do you want to just give a rundown for everyone who doesn't know who you are or hasn't seen you with our stuff before on, uh, first of all, who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, uh, Adam Hutton. I've been doing strength conditioning for four plus years now. Um, started off interning at Melbourne Vixen Swim Club. I uh, was there for a year and then managed to get an opportunity to go on as an assistant strength coach. Uh, and then lucky enough that about six months in, my, my boss decided to leave and take another job. So I was able to take over there. So sort of three years at the helm there and sort of just had a recent transition from purely uh, Melbourne Big Centre to sort of more working with Melbourne Sports Centres at MSAC and bringing in a, a youth training uh, program in there as well. Um, interned at... Uh, Victorian Bush Rangers Cricket Club. Uh, played cricket for t- ten years. That's probably my main sporting background. And more and more recently, um, getting into sort of out of things. So not playing cricket anymore. So looking at juggling, gymnastics, um, how to increase aerobic efficiency is probably a big one that I'm into now, and how the breath sort of plays into that. Yeah, good one. Apart from anything, you had the uh, had the best intern of all time a couple of years ago in, in myself. Yes, we'll, yes, uh, I did. We'll, buy, we'll, buy, we'll bypass that one. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, Adam's looked a lot into sort of breathing, and, and I guess this is where the podcast is going to go in terms of nasal breathing, particularly out of question uh, on the Mets Mastermind um, Facebook group come up around nasal breathing. So we just want to cover a few of the sort of, I guess, the key topics today. Um, do you want to just go through probably the, the importance of breath control to start with and and why is it critical that we focus on it? Because it's it's obviously something that we everyone knows how to breathe in some way and we have to breathe for just sustaining life. But how can we make the most of that breathing to, I guess, get the most out of it? And then how is that potentially going to translate into a bit of a training or a performance benefit? I think although we all breathe, it's kind of like blinking. We don't actually think about it. And this is something that happened to me for most of my life. I was, I had diagnosed asthma, um, would tend to be more on the anxious side for certain things. And, you know, we don't really get taught these techniques or how to go about these sort of situations in our lives, but going past different things, I've managed to come across different breathing techniques and how it's important. And I think there's three pillars that we can always talk about. There's your state. So sort of mental aspects. There's your physiology, so how breathing and nasal breathing can affect your physiology. And then also the mechanics of breathing and what, what's involved there with the uh, rib cage. Um, I think once we have a base understanding of those, we can start to then plug in and work out how and what we're going to do to improve that performance. So simply enough, in terms of the, the state aspect, we have your autonomic nervous system. 
Um, and this is sort of broken down into two, two sides. So you have your parasympathetic. I like to think of this as rest and digest. So we want to recover from our sport. We want to sleep. We need to be in that most of the time. Now, sometimes it can get out of whack and we can get sort of stuck in the sympathetic zone. So this is, would be if we're in the wild and we need to go chase and get some food or we're getting stressed and there's a threat, we need to adjust to this. So this is often sort of flight or freeze. Um, however, I often heard like fight or flight, but it's actually most people wouldn't fight straight away. Like you got to learn that, especially doing a little bit of the jujitsu stuff. You just freeze or you just want to get out of there. So I think if we're in that pattern too much, the sympathetic state, so with social media or it's constant arousal from computers, phone, work, people on social media attacking us, whatever it is, it can sort of overwhelm us and cause some issues. Um, and that sort of leads into the uh, physiology of it. So if we start to get in this sympathetic state, so one of the things of sympathetic um, nervous system is that we start to breathe more. So if we breathe more, we start to actually get rid of more carbon dioxide. And this can actually cause us to be more sort of sensitive to it. Um, and there's a test that I like to use with clients and athletes, which is a carbon dioxide tolerance test. So it's, it's, it's kind of similar to, there's a test called the Bolt Score used by um, Ian McEwen, who's Oxygen Advantage, so a very good book to read. Um, but this one sort of looks at your ability to handle carbon dioxide when you breathe out. So the test basically involves three to five breaths, sitting, lying down, um, ideally in a position where you're not compromising the diaphragm. So the diaphragm is one of our main muscles that helps us breathe. Um, there's some accessory ones involved, but that's the one we want doing most of the work. So lying down or kneeling is a good way to start. And then you basically just relax in that position, taking slow, deep breaths. And then when you feel comfortable, you take a big breath in then see how long you can breathe out for. Okay, so continuously no stopping, no swallowing. And based on your number, you have an idea of your sort of anxiety levels, how well you can handle carbon dioxide. So anyone under 20 seconds has some work to do. Um, we often see athletes who are highly anxious or have issues with the aerobic system, sort of struggling with that. Um, I like to see there's a couple of kids that I've worked with got over easily over sort of 90 seconds, um, which is really impressive. Uh, myself, about... 70 seconds so uh i just did a little aerobic block recently after the, the lockdown and improved it by 15 seconds in two weeks um so there is sort of room to grow there now why that's so important is that with our body as you would know and i'm sure some of your listeners know is the bore effect in that um the more carbon dioxide you have in your body the bond between hemoglobin and oxygen actually reduces. So we can actually get more oxygen into our cells and use that for aerobic metabolism. However, if we're just over breathing, getting all that carbon dioxide out, the affinity of oxygen to our hemoglobin actually increases. So you could be getting so much air in, but if you don't have enough carbon dioxide in your system, you're not going to be very efficient. I think in the long term, we want to be efficient at what we do not just big power, but we actually want to have the capacity to use that over time. Um, and some of it is nasal breathing really controls how much carbon dioxide you get out. Like there's only so much that if I did it right now, there's only so much I can get out. 
where if I took a big breath in and out through my mouth, I can just dump, dump, dump that out. Um, so it's trying to build with an athlete their sensitivity. So we want to be able to handle a lot of carbon dioxide. So it means that we don't have to sort of switch over to different gears later on. Um, and then I think other aspects of it is through nasal breathing, you actually get to release more nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, um, which can allow us to get sort of more blood flow throughout our body and also open up the lungs. Um, I found anytime I did running throughout my career, career in the cold, but especially anything with high intensity, I'd get asthma, um, exercise-induced asthma, and I'd have all these issues. And ever since I've gone predominantly nasal, nasal breathing, and then using some breathing gears to adjust my intensity, I've had no issues. Um, I've actually, I don't have any inhalers now. I used to be on a daily Simba court, so issues with that, side effects. Yeah. Mouth out, you get mouth cancer. Osteoporosis, so my auntie has osteoporosis from this uh, drug. Um, and just like the reliance that you're helpless, like I need this drug, I need this with me, I need my inhaler. But I'm like, oh my God, just like sort of negative loop just keeps building and building and building and building. Um, so there's some of the benefits of nasal breathing, let alone if we think about the ability of um, nitric oxide as an antibacterial property. And especially in these times with COVID, um, if you can be protecting yourself through the filtration system, humidification of our nasal passages, rather than just letting it through our mouth, you're going to be in a much better spot if you're going for runs or bike rides and there's people going everywhere and you really don't want to inhale some of the stuff that's in the air. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you touched on quite a few points there. So it's pretty, pretty clear for everyone listening that it's um, or, or watching this that there is a lot of benefit to just relearning how you breathe. And we've, we've spoken, this, uh, spoken on a similar point when we've spoken to Paul McKinnon before the balance runner about who taught you how to run. And it's the type of thing that no one really does teach you unless you have the benefit of being in athletics or little athletics as a kid, you never really get taught to run with a, with any sort of correct technique, if you like. And it's similar with breathing. It's, it's, you, you just expect it yeah. to know what to do, but if we can manipulate um, what we are doing with our breathing to, to make it a little bit more beneficial to us, there's obviously some pretty, uh, pretty significant benefits that we can gain. So do you want to just take us through, maybe some um, practices on, on how can we get better or what are we trying to achieve by improving our breathing? I know you mentioned things like we obviously want to be using the diaphragm effectively, breathing through our nose is, is going to be useful, but what are we, for, from a, bringing that to, I guess, swimmers, cyclists, runners, triathletes, endurance type athletes, which is, which is who we're talking about mainly, what are, what are we trying to do with our breathing when we practice it to then be able to allow it translate to a training or performance benefit or recovery benefit for, for those guys? I often think um, I like to start people with breathing outside their sport. So start just by getting used to the, the feeling of sort of hunger, hunger in terms of our breathing. Like you get this, this feeling that you want to take this big breath in, but getting used to that initially is important. And then with, with clients and athletes, I start to use either it's resistance training circuits or nice base aerobic runs or recovery sessions where we go all nasal breathing, sort of get used to that sensitivity and that uh, carbon dioxide buildup. Um, and then we sort of like 
the I like to bring it into warm-ups is one stage you can bring it in. And we sort of play around with sort of this hypoxic type warm-up where we might do 10 squats, five up-down dogs, and then you complete this three breaths. On the last breath, you get all the air out and then you run on the spot as fast as you can. And so you get the build-up for carbon dioxide in your body and you're going to handle this and get more used to this. Um, I think it's a really potent way to sort of get everything going. Um, and I think developing a breath practice is really important for people. So just like anything, the more you do it, the better you're going to be. So I start my day with a uh, step-up breath protocol um, and then I finish with this sort of apnea-based protocol so those two sort of do slightly different things so the step up protocol water sort of is like a, a cup of coffee uh, it sort of gets you awake and alert and but you're in a calm state um, on the base the way so we do it uh, and then you at night you're going to pick a protocol that sort of brings you back down to in this sort of rest and digest state and allows you to breathe and and get ready for bed is the main way i use it and they the different ones there's two methods you can use and they work for different people. So one is just a nice silent inhale and exhale. And depending on where you are with your CO2 tolerance test, it will give you your number. So it might be five seconds in, five seconds out. Or it might be an apnea-based protocol where it might be five seconds in, 10-second hold, five seconds out. And you sort of work through this and get used to that. And um, a nice cue for that is breathing so slow through your nose that you don't move your nose hairs and then out so slow that's often the hard part I, I feel with people is getting used to that nice slow controlled breath out um, and then how I like to bring it in is anytime we're doing aerobic intervals in our training so we do it a couple of different ways so there's like a contralateral circuit there's a uh, escalating density protocol I really like um, and it's a simple one for people to incorporate now is we do two exercises might be like a, a squat and a push or like maybe it's squat and a push up and you get it a certain way. It's about 50% 1RM, but you can use something else. It doesn't matter too much. And you basically just alternate between those two exercises, one rep at a time for five, 10 minutes, but it's all nose breathing. So by the end of it, you should feel like you get a decent, decent workout, but you're not exhausted like some of these 30 minute high intensity hit training sessions that yep. just look to destroy people. Um, but it's building that base base level, building that efficiency. Um, they've shown in studies that like sometimes with nasal breathing, once you're adapted, you can get a 22% increase in economy, um, which is, I think, a pretty big increase. However, I wouldn't advise if someone who has it coming up to a race or an event and they normally yeah, mouth breathe, sun. like, yeah. yeah? It's like anything, you've got to adapt to it and be used to it. You're not just going to go from running with these Nikes to a minimal shoe and expect results straight away. You've got to have some time to adapt and, and change. There was a study that showed, you know, I think it was in the late 90s, that like reduced training effect and VO2 max in this uh, graded exercise test from nasal breathing. But these were just any day athletes where a more recent study showed that they had better economy they had the same VO2 max score, but actually had a lower VO2 max. So they did the same time, even a little bit longer, but a smaller VO2 max because they just didn't need as much oxygen going into their system because they were more efficient. So these athletes were six months adapted, but 
you're probably, if, if you're longer than that, you probably have a greater effect, be able to handle these higher loads. Um, nice analogy in terms of sort of breathing in our gears is that if you have a car and you have a Volkswagen bug, it's gear one is probably pretty low compared to say a Ferrari. So the Ferrari can work really, really hard and sort of get up to sort of 97 kilometers per hour compared to like a VW bug, which is 27. So everyone will have their different limits and scalability of their sort of aerobic system. But if we can get your gear one where you're just cruising and really get that up as high as we can, later on when you need to go to those high gears, you can just switch over. Um, I think that's a vital, vital case that people just go from gear one to gear five. So easy breathing to <laughs> and there's like just no change you wouldn't do that in your car or in your bike you're going to have some issues if you keep doing that yeah. um so i think i might just quickly explain the, ge- the gears like yeah, i keep go, talking about that yeah go, go through it go through it so gear one's often used for sort of low aerobic and that's just purely a nice even nasal in nasal out so it might be like two seconds three seconds whatever you can sort of maintain then as you start to go higher and higher with your intensity, the carbon dioxide's gonna build up. So you need to gonna sort of adjust your breathing to match that. So it's often like a power nasal in and then a relaxed, calm exhale. That's sort of getting more high aerobic. So it's still aerobic emphasis, but we're starting to get close to that transition to the more the anaerobic dominance. Um, and then we get to a point where we start going to gear three. So that's quicker nasal in and out. Kind of like a, a super ventilation or like hyperventilating, but you're in control. And then when we're really, really moving, we're getting up to sort of gear four, which in my training, I only really use rarely in sort of really high intensity intervals, um, which would be power in and then mouth out. <laughs> And then really there's just the blowout gear five, like just let everything go, which I hardly get to. And I know that if I get there, I push way too hard. Um, and using those can be a really good way if you don't have access to heart rate to all these other monitoring tools as a way to gauge your intensity in the exercise. And what are you actually working? Like if you're just going around doing, are you actually getting more aerobically efficient? Or are you just getting better at suffering is a nice quote yep. that uh, Brian McKenzie always talks about. But I think it's a fundamental fact. Like, are you just getting better? Yeah, at- if you're just trying to make it harder for yourself. Yeah. 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 You know, are you actually improving? What adaptations are you actually getting and improving upon? Yeah. And I, I'd hopefully for, for everyone listening and watching, hopefully you can sort of start to piece together that the, the five gears that Adam's talking about is really five training zones, essentially. We're talking about like active recovery is, is just that really easy breath in, breath out through your nose. Then we start moving into like a zone two or an endurance type run as you need to yep. breathe that little bit, that sort of that power in, easy out. Maybe that's more that tempo type area. We start moving towards threshold. It's going to be that, all right, it's starting to get difficult, but we're still in control. And, and that's similar to when that's just our running in general is you're going to feel, yeah, threshold type running is going to be tough. I'm going and doing extended effort short coverage whatever it may be but i can sustain it then we get up to our sort of like vo2 max intervals maybe even some anaerobic stuff for, for guys like biking with 30 seconds on 30 seconds off max effort if not 110 100 120 percent of vo2 max intensity and it's i just need to do what i can 
but we're only doing it for a short period of time. So yeah. You, you, really, yeah, it's the type of thing that I know a lot of athletes at the moment are, are starting to do a couple of sessions just to get away from technology a little bit to put down the heart rate monitors, take off the GPS watch, use this time to give themselves a reset. So it's a, it's a perfect time to maybe implement some of this breathing into your, into your training so that you can keep a bit of an eye on what you're doing and really sort of stay within yourself a little bit, but, but also make sure that you're hitting the right area. I mean, nothing worse than going out and doing a, doing a long zone two run. And yeah, if you're, if you're breathing really heavily and sort of that really heavily stressed breathing in a zone two run, like you, like you hit the nail on the head with, are you just making it harder than it needs to be? Because the point of that zone two run is just build some base case into legs. We're not trying to overdo it. We're just trying to build some volume. Um, let's make that as manageable and comfortable as possible. Let's make it as efficient and easy as possible. So that come race day, if you're in the back of an Ironman and you can settle yourself down, relax, be breathing nice and controlled, it's probably going to be a lot more enjoyable for you to run that 42Ks off the bike than it is uh, if you're getting off the bike and just going, nah, this sucks. And even from yeah. a psychological perspective, I guess, is there much in, do you want to just maybe quickly touch on if we finish up with, like, I guess the re- relaxation side of things, maybe from a, from a training, training aspect or a performance aspect? I know you mentioned a lot about it's really useful for that, um, that sort of, calm, I guess, calming effect, reducing a bit of that sort of anxiety, asthmatics who might be feeling a little bit under the pump. How, mu- how much is there from just a psychological calming effect and, and bringing you back to a level where you go, okay, I'm in control, I can probably reset and, and go? You want to touch on that maybe a little? There's um, there's more and more research coming out on the on the importance of using your breath to control your mind and and manage anxiety and stress. Um, I won't touch too much into the research because it's it's quite in depth. But I I really think it's important. Like in our life, what can we actually control? It's important to to look at those things and actually go how how can I actually do that? I think our breathing is one of them. Like any time you're in a stressful environment, you can always just go back to your breath. And just most times with my clients, I just sort of talk about just the first stage is just monitoring and, and assessing what's happening. So when do you switch to mouth breathing? When do you switch to this sort of faster breath? And sort of understanding that you can start to work out your triggers or your stress responses and then use a strategy or a protocol to try to sort of get on top of that and fix that and calm the mind down. I think it's an issue that most people have in sort of Australia and probably other places around the world is when people say you're stressed or calm, like take big, deep breaths. Yeah. But take a deep breath. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big issue because what does that look like? It looks like stressful breathing. So I think we've got to go back to sort of calming the mind. It's, it's kind of like meditation for me. I like it because it doesn't have that negative connotation that some people have with meditation and spirituality. I, I think that is important, but breath work is a nice way to build into it. You're just managing you and your breath. That's all you're worrying about. There's nothing else that can come into your mind when you're worrying about your breath. Um, and especially with sort of this society that's always on. Like we need a fun to bring, to bring it back down, bring it back down. And especially like sleep is so important so important that's number one recovery tool i think but if we're not getting the right sleep then how can we recover and perform and you can use a number of different tools but i think breathing is one of them that can sort of bring you back into that state you can bring you it can calm you down it can focus you there's a lot of different ways you can use that to redirect your focus and lock in 
um, if, I, if I'm doing work or study and I sort of just get to a point, I just don't want to do this right now. Yeah. I'll go away, do some breathing and then come back and try to recenter myself and just get back on that task at hand. Um, so I think it has, I think we're going to see more and more research come out about the power of the breath and how, how it will work. I know Wim Hof is quite big in, in the performance world and, and gets up there, but I think his, his method is based on that sort of superventilation. So hyper-oxygenating the blood, which can be dangerous for some people. And is a, I'd be wary for people starting that straight away if they're like sort of a really sympathetic person anyway. Like it could be too much. Yeah. Um, but that's like one method you can change your state. So using the breath where you're going quite fast in and out. And then there's also the other methods where you slow everything down. So you might hold your breath. You might just focus on super slow in and out. So there's a number of different methods that people can use like straight away to manage stress and anxiety and other issues going on in their life. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty, there's plenty there to, to sort of break down. So I reckon we, we could keep talking for, for ages on, on breathing and what's going on. I reckon we'll keep it there for, yeah. for today. Um, do you want to just quickly plug where, where people can go and find you um, online, social, get in contact, or, or even any key resources that you reckon are worth checking out? Yep, so uh, my Instagram is at Hutton Performance. Um, I'm going to be, since I have a lot of time right now, I'm going to be actually be putting out a website. It can affect your state, your mechanics, your physiology. Um, I think some other great resources in terms of the breathing would be, say, Wim Hof, if you want to have a look at that. Um, Power Speed Endurance do some good work on breath work. And then also uh, Oxygen Advantage, who sort of looks into the Buteco method, which they use in Russia. Um, they'll be the main ones, main ones for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'll leave, I'll leave a couple of those down below uh, so you guys can check them out. Thanks for jumping on uh, today, mate, and we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Thank you for having me.